You're listening to the Arizona Varsity Podcast Network. AALL Insurance is locally owned and locally operated. Everybody needs insurance, especially young drivers. Give the people who support Arizona Varsity and Arizona high school athletes a chance to support your insurance needs. AALL Insurance. Click the link in the show description to find out more. We'd like to thank our friends at People's Mortgage for sponsoring Arizona Varsity and Arizona's athletes. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance your current mortgage, the experienced team at People's Mortgage is ready to help you. People's Mortgage has been a local lender for over 20 years, and their team has extensive knowledge of the local economy. They'll find the loan that best fits your needs. Rates are low, so connect with them today at 602-714-2555. That's 602-714-2555. Find out why they say, at People's Mortgage, it's all about the people. AZBK0904164 NMLS6274 Equal Housing Lender. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Take Easy Sports Show here on ArizonaVarsity.com. My name is Zach Alvara, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Newman. Eric, we have reached the end of the fall sports season. I really didn't think we would get there, to be completely honest, but um, how are you feeling at that that fact right there that we just got through a fall season within a pandemic? It's weird because for so long we were just waiting and waiting and waiting and we didn't know whether it was going to start or when it was going to start or what the end would look like. Um, it kind of all just came as a shock. Um, but to actually get to championship games and see the atmosphere and see kids get to hold a trophy was really cool. It's weird because uh, you build up to it and then after these – I mean, all the championship games were in two days and you get that Saturday with two games in a row in the 6A and then the Open and all of a sudden it's just done. Um, so it, it's a weird feeling uh, and it always is like that because we cover so many, we cover three sports championships a year uh, or three seasons. And so, you know, it, but football especially, and I think in this pandemic because of the circumstances that are around it, um if i'm grateful we got a season but it's weird that it's over yeah can i just say really quick i was exhausted after saturday yep it was a long day <laughs> Two good i mean games. you know very good games but i mean even you can even throw friday night in there friday night i had i know you were at um you were at ironwood and sunrise mountain but i was at mesquite and cactus and that game was incredible and then, you know, that game kind of goes a little bit late. So I get home late Friday night. I get all my tweets and stuff scheduled for the morning, wake up, get ready, head out to Desert Vista, cover two more games. And obviously we'll get into every single game. But I mean, man, I think I'm I'm almost kind of glad it's over because I finally get a chance to like kind of hit reset myself and and kind of give myself a chance to rest a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's nice. um, But I know that, I mean, we've also we've got other sports to cover. 
and we're going to start seeing coaching changes and things of that sort soon enough. So it never really ends completely. No, it never does. Um, This is going to be kind of a shorter episode today. All we're really going to talk about are the championship games. We're going to talk about both, um, you know, the action on the field, maybe a couple things, you know, that we saw off of it. Um, And then, you know, I don't know, maybe Eric and I will uh, we'll get into a little bit of the winter stuff. But um, for the most part, we're going to be kind of treating this last episode as almost like a season finale. And next week, you know, obviously with with a new sports season will be a new season of the Take It Easy Sports Show. And we're going to dive right into winter sports. So um, just to kind of get things started, Eric, I'm going to let you kind of uh, tell us what you saw at the Ironwood Sunrise Mountain 5A championship game. Yeah, so that was it was a good game. Um, of all the big school championships, it was the most lopsided. Um, but it didn't look that way. I, uh, Sunrise Mountain ended up winning 42 to 20. So they win by 22 points. Um, and by the end of it, it wasn't close. Um, it was in Sunrise Mountain dominated in the second half, especially, but it looked like at the beginning that Ironwood might have a chance to pull it out. They, uh, they took an early lead. Will Haskell, their quarterback is just a tremendous player. He was the best player on the field. Um, and he was using his legs because he's super quick and, uh, athletic that, you know, even though Sunrise Mountain was getting past the offensive lineman, he was able to scramble for some yards. Um, and then the defense was it, – it was a weird game for Ironwood's defense because they early on were tremendous. Um, Sunrise Mountain ran the ball almost every single time. They literally threw one pass the entire game, and it wasn't even close to being complete. It was 10, 15, 20 yards uh, away from the receiver who was trying to run a go route. They uh, Sunrise Mountain just ran the ball from the same formation every single play. It was Travis Ward to a running back. He was flanked in the shotgun by two running backs, and he handed off to one of them. Um, and Ironwood was not able to keep them from getting yards, but at the beginning they were um, they were causing fumbles, and it was enough that they kept a lead almost to the end of the first half. Um, they would get good position from it and then go on these long drives that killed the clock. But Sunrise Mountain ended up getting up 15-14 at halftime. Um, they scored a touchdown with the couple, with just a few seconds left on the clock, got the two-point conversion, and then they took the lead and they never lost it from there. So it was, I mean, this was, for a 5A school, I have not seen many that were able to execute on one at part of the game. Um, as Sunrise was on its running attack. Every single play was good blocks downfield and open uh, spots for rushers who were all solid players themselves. So it was a dominant performance by Sunrise in the end, but um, Ironwood has a lot to be proud of. What was the uh, what was the atmosphere like out there? It was interesting. I had never been to North Canyon High School. Um, they've got a nice field. The stands were... Um, I mean, the the stands aren't as big, the bleachers, as a Desert Vista or some of the other really big schools, but they had enough. Um, it was a good atmosphere. There was no heckling like we saw in the <laughs> uh, in the 6A and open, uh, more of the open. But, you know, it was passionate fans, good coaching, good plays. 
Um, both of these teams are pretty classy, so there wasn't any, uh, there wasn't really chippiness or anything like that. And I, uh, I enjoyed seeing that game. It was not, it, I thought it was going to be cold up there in the north part of the valley too, but it was, it was actually very nice. It was a pleasant night, and uh, I really enjoyed covering that game. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I thought the same thing when I was at Highland. Uh, it started out where it was just really nice weather overall. And then by the time the fourth quarter hit, I kind of like had a chance to like, I guess, think to myself like where I'm at. And all of a sudden I was freezing. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and I don't know what the temperatures were, obviously, that night. But um, anyway. Uh, I was at Highland High School. That was the site of the 4A state championship between Mesquite and Cactus. And man, I mean, Eric, last year's semifinal game, we've talked about it before, that that one went down to the wire. And it was almost like, you know, th the same exact thing this year. I mean, it, it was crazy because Cactus struck early with a 7 nothing lead. And then Mesquite came and scored 18 unanswered points in the first quarter. Then all of a sudden, Cactus scores 18 unanswered to take a lead into the, into the half. Then Cactus goes up by two scores in the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden, here comes Mesquite. They storm back. Eric Lira was phenomenal in this game. He caught everything that came his way, and including the, the touchdown to pull Mesquite within one point of Cactus, and then also the two-point conversion that obviously helped Mesquite win the game. It was, man, I mean, we say it all the time. Ty Thompson looks like a five-star quarterback, and he definitely played like a five-star quarterback, especially in that fourth quarter. Um, but if it weren't for Eric Lira, I don't know if Mesquite would be state champion right now for the second time in a row. Um, he was, I mean, he had, I think, over 250 yards receiving on like 16 or 17 catches what I had him at. And that's obviously not official, but I mean, still like he did I was, well regardless. He did, he did very well regardless. Um, and, you know, it, great story for him too. coming from central. Didn't know if he was going to have a season. He's a senior too. So he didn't want to lose out a senior season. He had the full support of Chandler Hovick, the head coach there at, at central and the rest of the coaching staff to make that move to Mesquite. And it paid off for him. And, you know, I don't know how many offers he has, if he has any, but some college coach and team out there is going to be extremely lucky to have Eric Lear on their team. I think he's um, got one or two D2 offers. Um, okay. So, but I would not be surprised to see more of those um, and, uh, you know, just more four-year schools in general calling his name. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he was, oh man. Like and I and I had wanted to see Mesquite all year long, so I was kind of banking on them making the championship for me to be able to see them this year, and I'm really glad I got to see them because that team is so good. I mean, just the amount of athletes they have, and I don't know how they're going to be next year. Honestly, they return guys like Andrew Morris, who Coach Scott Hare believes that he's going to be their next All American. Um, you know, right behind right behind Ty Thompson, so. You know, we'll have to see. And he was he was really, really good in that game, too. He uh, he stripped. Um, I want to say it was Damian Giles for Cactus running the ball. Uh, he stripped Giles, picked it up and ran it 50 yards for a touchdown. And that was part of the 18 unanswered points in the first quarter in, into the second quarter for uh, for Mesquite. But overall, it was a very good game. It was a uh, good atmosphere, too. You know, obviously, 
when you you're in a bigger school like that, obviously it's not going to seem as full just because they are, you know, technically those two are small, uh, smaller schools than what you'd see at like the six a and five a and even the open, obviously. Um, but it, it was a really good atmosphere. I mean, it was, you could tell it was a championship game. That's for sure. Especially, you know, the crowd pop when, uh, when Mesquite got that two point conversion, it sounded like that was a full, uh, a full stadium there. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, those two teams have formed a little bit of a rivalry now. Um, it was last year they played awesome game in the semifinals. This year was an awesome game in the championship. I've seen Cactus a couple times. I saw Mesquite this year. They Those were both the class of 4A, um, and the rankings yeah. didn't necessarily bear out, but you could tell. Uh, and I, I didn't see that game in, uh, live, but, I mean, just from watching these teams play, those were the two best teams in 4A this season. Um, and they played uh, about as even as you can. Yeah, and you know what's funny that you mentioned that? And we'll, we'll get into the other games, like I said, too. But um, the only human element of the playoffs, uh, you know, the, the picks and everything, the seeding, was the open division. And ironically, that was the only 1-2 matchup that we had. Yeah, I mean, we part of it had to do with the, um, the fact that some teams didn't play as many games. Um, yeah. And we'll get into that with 6A because Chaparral uh, was a seven seed somehow despite the amount of talent they had. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was just that teams ended up having to play other opponents that they normally wouldn't have. Um, maybe some teams in a 10-game schedule had early opponents scheduled that were going to be really tough. Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely weird seeing that. I think that the seeds uh, don't necessarily mean everything, but I think we saw a few more quote-unquote upsets than we normally would. But I think the one thing that we can agree on is across the board, I think we truly saw the two best teams in every conference, including the open division. Now, you can argue about Saguaro in there, and I, I would make that argument as well because I would love to have seen Saguaro play Hamilton in the semifinals, and those two teams were obviously on a collision course for that to happen. Um, but I would have loved to see that game. But, I mean, I think overall we had the two best teams in every conference, especially Mesquite Cactus. I mean, though they, they should have been the one and two seeds. There's no question about that. And 5A, obviously, Sunrise Mountain, you know. the, the If you're taking out the Open, yes, because I thought uh, if you're taking out Saguaro, um, and I thought Desert Edge would have won the tournament if they had been in 5A. Um, but obviously, going 8-0, you're going to make the Open. But, yeah, and that's yeah. what I mean. I'm sorry. Yeah, when you yeah. include the Open teams, you know, keep all those eight teams that were in the Open in the Open division. And I think we had the best teams match up in every conference yeah, for that definitely. specific for that specific playoff, I guess, bracket or seed yeah. or whatever. And I really thought Sunrise Mountain, they I don't think they would have won the tournament, but I thought they were good enough that they could have been in the open. Um I think I had them in the open. It was just the, it was that it was the loss to that same Ironwood team. Um yeah. the, the same Ironwood team that beat them twenty to eleven earlier in the season, uh, I think knocked them out because Ironwood was obviously good this year, but they weren't open quality. Um yeah. so losing that game and then losing to Desert Edge, who they dubbed an eight seed, um, was I think what killed them. And I I honestly thought that the the five A bracket made more sense for them anyway. Um but mm. they were easily the best team in that tournament. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. I thought maybe Campo Verde might be able to get them or catch them off guard just because obviously that was Campo's MO last year. 
Um, but you know, Sunrise Mountain, I think they, I think they realized that Campo was a team that you, that, that knows how to catch people off guard and they didn't want that to happen to them. Yeah. They played, they played so well. I watched some of the replay of that game. Um, and I mean, Sunrise Mountain also, they were on a mission. They had 30 plus seniors, the most seniors they've had on any team under coach Decker. Um, and a lot of them played youth football together. Um, and it's it's just th- this team was not going to be denied this year, uh, and you could tell that honestly. You, you know, you go to these. You have been to as many as I have. Um, these preseason practices where they say that they're together and it's a brotherhood and everything, and a lot mm-hmm. of times that's true. But there are certain times where you can tell there's something different about a team, um, and it really seemed like that for Sunrise Mountain this year. Uh, so yeah. I, I really, I, I wasn't a predicting person, but I figured they would have an awesome year. Um, I didn't know it would necessarily be this, but I think that um, Cactus and Mesquite were the same way people thought they were the two best teams from the beginning. Um, and then Iron would surprise people a little bit. So the game you and I both went to. Um, well, really quick, before we go on to that, can I make an early prediction right now? Yeah. Like a really like way too early prediction because the season just ended. Obviously, I like think two I know ago. where you're going, and I agree with you. Okay, Cactus is going to win the four A next year. Yep. Okay. If they're they, if they're not in the, if they're not in the open division, Cactus will win four A. They're the favorite. They're the favorite right now. How how are they? How who else would it be? Yeah, it's tough. They to have they're returning literally everybody, and the, what's even more important is they're returning someone like Will Galvin, who's only a sophomore but took his team to the state championship. And Galvin, that, I mean, Galvin's great. He He's really an awesome story for that team. He went from, he started as a safety at freshman, uh, as a freshman at safety, which is, I mean, you saw how small he is. To be a safety in the varsity yeah. level um, at that age, at that size, is really impressive to me. And then to go over to quarterback and uh, yeah. lead his, lead his team in that was really really impressive and, and he's the the thing with him too is so i only saw him one other time and that was against desert edge and he, he i remember you and i were talking about it he literally took so many hits yep. in that desert edge game from guys like rj roberts who's a monster and yeah. he just kept getting up he kept getting up he never this kid and, and the thing is too is he got hit several times against mesquite also and he just every single time he gets up, he doesn't he doesn't even stay on the ground for that long, even when it's a big hit. Like this is one of the toughest kids I have ever seen play the game. And I honestly I'm very excited to see this cactus team next year because I mean, like I said, how do you not pick them to win the four A conference if they don't make the open division? For sure. And I think yeah, you could even argue they, they should they should aim to not make the open division because <laughs> As, as, I mean, I'm sorry, but as good as they are, they're still not going to match up with teams like Hamilton and, and Chandler and those guys. It's just a matter of depth at that point. It's not and even a lot of those guys. No one's matched up with yeah. those teams recently. And like, and like a lot of those guys on Cactus, they still go both ways. So like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, come on. Um, I but yes, they but, are gonna be, they're going to have a really, really good season next year, assuming that yeah. there's not some sort of uh, downfall of because of COVID yeah. or whatever uh, assuming that they can bring the roster back that they should they'll be yeah. an awesome team yeah uh, they're gonna be i'm i'm very excited to see them uh 6a game highland versus chaparral 
two teams that I believe in a 10 game season could have made the open. Um, Agreed. And I mean, especially with Chaparral, they didn't lose those first three games. Now, granted, they had to play Saguaro and they had to play Hamilton. So who knows how they would have done in those first three games. Um, But I mean, in general, I think, again, Chaparral and Highland, I think these were the two best teams in the 6A conference playoffs. Yeah, agreed. Chaparral was, I saw them in the semifinals, and then I saw them in the final. Um, And they were ultra-talented. Yeah. I thought that, uh, obviously, they lost to, their two games they lost were to Liberty and Centennial, two open teams um, that prove they can play with just about anybody. And Chaparral, you know, they they dominated Pinnacle um, in the, final game of the year and I was I was thinking that was going to be a close game and to see them do that and then run through their first two playoff games I'm like okay this team is for real I wasn't sure I had never seen them live until those two um well and the thing is especially so I thought I was a little worried about Chaparral when they had to match up with uh, Queen Creek in the very first round but the second I saw the score to that game I knew right away that Chaparral was making the finals yeah no knock on Sandra Day O'Connor but I mean Chaparral was way better than a seven seed yeah i think i think even with only playing five games chaparral really should have been ranked like maybe three or four um because their only losses came to open teams so you know i don't know and and they they destroyed pinnacle who excuse me a lot of people thought that they were act that was actually going to be a an open team at first too so or at least a 6a playoff team or at least a 6a playoff team um now granted they had a really tough schedule so i won't yeah i won't you know, hold that against them, but yeah, no, they were, um, they were a tough team, but that, that blowout made a really big statement. Yeah. And here's, the, here's yeah. the thing I noticed about the six, a title game with Chaparral. And I know you'll like this because it's, it's kind of your bread and butter. I thought their offensive line play was just outstanding. Um, it was so good. It was, I, I thought that was of all the championship games. I thought that was the best offensive line play um, from any unit. If it, it were, if honestly, if it weren't open. for yeah, if it weren't for the the likes of Cam Colomore and Tyson Lomu and um, you know Josh Allen from Highland, if it weren't for that group of linebackers that Highland had, I mean Jared Williams and Diego Echevarria, I hope I said his name right. They would have, I think they honestly they could have ran for like two hundred yards. Yeah, because. Um, they because Highland's defensive line, as good as they are, they honestly got swallowed up by that Chaparral offensive line. Now they did make plays, don't get me wrong, they made some plays. But and, and that's the thing too, is Shep or Highland's offensive or defensive line is not small either, but they made or they looked small against Chaparral's offensive line. I was I honestly had never seen Chaparral this year, and I had heard about their offensive line. I was like, okay, well, how big can they really be? They were like Chandler and Hamilton big. Like they and Chandler and Hamilton have big offensive lines. They were the best offensive line I saw this year, Chandler and Hamilton included. Um, and obviously, we don't know how they would have matched up against those guys, but the way they played in that game against a Highland team that has a lot of good defensive players, it was open hole after open hole after open hole, and they just they ran the ball even without Braden Silver, their quarterback, doing that well. Um, he didn't have a tremendous yeah. game. No, they, he only had they, one long pass all game. Yeah, the, he didn't have a tremendous game, but they just ran the ball and kept the clock moving, and that was the key to their win. 
Um, and I just, I was really, really impressed by that. And here's something too, that, go, that kind of just shows the, that they, that Chaparral didn't really need Brayton Sobor that much. Max Miner only had like two or three catches, I think. Yeah. And Max Miner was, yeah. And Max Miner was, is literally their top receiver. So, I mean, that kind of shows you, I mean, Sobor still threw, I think for like a hundred and like. 60 yards or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he didn't but, have a bad game, but he didn't no, have the, like, the kind of stuff he's been doing before. Exactly. And that that's what I was just going to say. That's kind of the thing with that I said with Max Davis in my article too about the game. You know, he still ran for like 70 yards, but when you look at his other performances be like before that, I mean, he ran on Boulder Creek, he had what 165 or something like that yards on Boulder Creek, and that's a pretty good defense. Yeah. So I mean, that just goes to show you, like, Gage Daly, usually he can, he's good for, geez, I don't know, 200 yards at least, and he, I think he had, like, 150, which he obviously is close. Pass, that's another thing. He did not have a touchdown pass. Granted, they, they did the trick play. He might have been able Well, no, because Ammon Allen was the one who threw that pass. That's what I'm saying is they, yeah. they ran a trick play to get Ammon Allen that one. But, yeah, that's you true. know, maybe he could have gotten that one if the play was called differently. But the yeah. point is that – they they were not able to throw the ball the same way that they normally do. Yeah, good point. Uh, open division, what a game! What a yeah, game! Um, huge huge shout out to that Hamilton team. Um, you know, you guys honestly, you guys got your butts kicked against Chandler the first time, and you were pretty much on the same path in the open game. But that fourth quarter, your defense stepped. I mean, honestly, your defense played phenomenal all game. Um, Chandler's defense just really, they just had a couple takeaways that helped them get into scoring position. Because, um, I mean, in reality, I mean, other than Eli Sanders' 80-yard run to start the game, I mean, Chandler's offense couldn't really do a whole lot. Yeah. Mikey Keene Mikey in a 23-21 win, their quarterback, really, what did he have, hundred and change yards and yeah. a touchdown pass it really eli, wasn't the offensive yeah. output that they normally no, and, had. and eli sanders had 161 but if you think about it, 80 yards of that came on the very first play of the game yeah so i mean hamilton's defense played very very well and honestly the thing is is chandler's defense just they played just as well as hamilton did it was a defensive battle through and through uh, yeah but hamilton down 23 to 7 in the fourth quarter came storming right back um, what was it? Twenty three to twenty one, I think it was. Correct? Was the final score? Yeah. So twenty three twenty one, Hamilton. Seventeen seconds left. They're you know lining up for a thirty yard field goal. They could have taken a shot, but Mike Zadebski wanted to play it safe. Was worried that maybe if they made a mistake, they wouldn't get that chance at a game winning field goal. They line up. Unfortunately, it goes wide left. Chandler wins their fifth straight state title. Um, it was a it was a very good game though. Yeah, Nico Marchial, the Hamilton quarterback, was he was injured the games before. He didn't play in the semifinal against South Point Catholic, who they dominated. That wasn't even like they really needed him. But what really impressed me was the last drive of the game. They were down. It was, you know, it was the what you see in the movie, the last second drive to try to win the game. And with a couple minutes left, maybe it was like 2.30, uh, 2.15, something around that. He just ran over and over again and was making absolutely tremendous plays with his legs. Um, and this is a kid who was injured the week before. And yeah. he just, he 
all but won them that game. Um, they uh, that last drive was about as well as I've seen a quarterback run um, in clutch situations, especially because they knew he was running the ball. That's what he had done for a while. Yep, exactly. And I mean, Nico played so well. I mean, it 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 was man. Eric, we were spoiled these last two weeks with the semifinal yeah. games and also the uh, the championship games. I mean, me personally, I saw you know Highland and Boulder Creek come down to basically a goal line stop. I saw Chandler Liberty come down to a two point conversion stop. I saw Mesquite win with a two point conversion. Then I saw Chandler win in the in the championship with literally a missed field goal. And I know you had great games as well. I mean, we're lucky, man. Like we yeah. had. I, I can't rem- I mean, even last year, like some of these games weren't this close last year at all. Yeah, we I mean, Chandler Saguaro in the final was good, but it wasn't this. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't the, the thing with the Saguaro Chandler game. Chandler, you know, I don't want people to get mad at me for saying this. Chandler never really was at risk of losing that game. No, they weren't. Uh, I mean, I mean, they they dominated early, and then they simply just let off the gas and let Sawaro kind of like, it's like that commercial. I think it's like the what the it might be a Geico commercial where the fisherman is like holding up the dollar and he's like, oh, you almost had it. Got to be quicker yep, than that. I know exactly that's what kind, you're talking that, about. That's kind of like how that game was, because every time Sawaro would come within a touchdown, Chandler would score again. And then obviously, you know, if we had more time, who knows, maybe Sawaro could have tied that game and obviously, you know, went to overtime or whatever, but they just didn't have enough time to to really rally enough to to force that. So I think Chandler never really was in, I guess, I, they were never really at risk of losing that game, I don't yeah. think. But they were at risk of losing on Saturday, 100%. And the, absolutely. And the 4A game last year between Mesquite and Desert Edge, when they were still a 4A team, was close, and it came down to the last couple of minutes. But it was not a very well-played game, unlike this yeah. year's 4 title game. And then 6A yeah. was close, but it just, it, these felt different. And I think part of it was the stakes having gone through COVID and everything and kind of the disbelief that we were actually here. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, every every game seemed meaningful um, in the playoffs, and obviously they were, but it was, it was different. It, you could feel something different in the air with these games. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, now that you mentioned the six A game last year, obviously that one went to overtime. So you know, Red Mountain Liberty that was a really good game. So that that's right up to par with all yeah. this year's games. Um, Eric, <laughs> here's the thing that you know maybe you didn't really want to talk about that much. Um, how the amount of fans that were at each of these games, especially the I'm, I'm really more talking six A and open. Uh, were you surprised at all? Because six A was packed. Yeah, it was it was too many people. Yeah. Um, there were people all over the sidelines, especially it seemed in the open game. Um, yeah. You know, I'd gotten used to seeing them in the playoffs in years past. There were a lot of hangers on, maybe a parent, a AD, whoever else was normally there. But this time, it seemed like people that just really didn't even have much of a relation to the game was um, just standing around there, and the AIA had. Uh, put out a mandate to try and stop that, but I don't. I don't blame them. I don't really blame anybody. It just it seemed out of control for the security, 
guards that they had there. Um, you're asking a high school security staff to keep dozens and dozens and dozens of people off the field that, um, you know, everyone has their quote unquote excuse to be on there. I'm this, I'm that. Um, but, you know, it was weird in a time of COVID where you're supposed to be socially distancing and everything to have to move around somebody to get a picture um, or a video or whatever. It was it was a weird atmosphere. And it was fun because, you know, you could tell people were enjoying themselves. But the we saw to between the two of us, four people on the Hamilton sideline heckling their refs um, and get kicked out of the game. I I would not be surprised that there was more we didn't see. Um, it was, it was just too many people and it was disturbing because of that. But overall I enjoyed the environment. Yeah. You know, it was, I don't know, especially like the six, a game. I think I looked at like Highland stands and the Chaparral stands. And that was my first thing. I was like, wow, like this is, this is not at all what I expected. Like I expected it to be like a, a really small crowd, not a really small, but a smaller crowd. And they almost filled the entire stadium, which I was, and I kind of got like a nervous feeling in my stomach. I'm like, this is not good, but like, you know, I don't know. Benefit of the doubt, I guess. Um, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt that they wore a mask the entire time, but who knows? Um, I just hope nothing bad comes of it. Okay, so, you know, I just hope nothing bad comes of it. But, you know, going back to your point about the sidelines, um, you know, us media members, we don't own the sideline. We get that. Um, you know, we, we will never say that this is our space only and no one else should be there. But especially especially in a year like this, there's no reason kids should be able to be playing football or alumni should be standing on the sideline or, you know, I don't know, like just it, there was too many people and like there were schools that had their own like videography staff or whatever there. Like, OK, bring one or two. You don't need seven. Like you don't need seven kids with a camera standing there all in the same spot that are going to get the same angle anyway. Um, It was it was just a lot of people. Um, And I don't know, man, like it just to your point, like. Or like I said, we don't own the sideline, but at the same time, like we're there trying to do our jobs to cover the game for people who aren't able to go to the game. And when we can't even find a spot on the sideline because, you know, random parents or alumni or, you know, students or whatever are standing there. A and just, oh yeah. Official. Yeah. Like, and, and or like they come and just, or, I think, I think, I think my biggest pet peeve is you see us working and you see us taking photos or taking videos or whatever. And you see the media credential on our, we, literally we're all wearing one and you come and you stand right in front of us when we're trying to film or like do our job or like anything. Like, I don't care if you're there, but just don't stand right in front of me while I'm trying to actually do my job and give content to the people who are not able to watch the game. Like, come on like that. You, you can't, I'm sorry. You can't be that stupid to not see me standing there. Like, really, though, I don't know. I think the more I talk about it, I'm going to get worked up. But there was too many people on the sideline. And to your point, the people getting kicked out, you know, I, I don't know, man. It's like, what's the point? Why, why would you think it's okay in the middle of a play to walk up behind an official and go, hey, look, ref, he's offside, throw the flag, he's offside, throw your flag, throw your flag. Who the hell does that? 
Why? Why do you feel like it's necessary? And then when they tell you to stop talking to him, you go up behind him and you go, well, I wasn't trying to be a douchebag. Well, yeah, you are being a douchebag because now you're you're distracting them from calling and, and officiating the championship game. Then they have to turn their attention to you and worry about you and then get security to get you off the sideline because you feel the need to express your opinion to someone who's trying to do their job. Just stop. Like, don't don't do that. That's dumb. Yeah, man. I mean, it was it was a crazy situation. Just everything is crazy around now. Um, but let's wrap up before we get too caught up in our emotions and say something we don't want to say. It's probably a really good idea. Uh, I think we already. Uh, I, I think I may have gotten a little close to uh, saying something that might be might get me in trouble there. Uh, but with that said, um, like I said before, the fall sports season has officially come to a close. Uh, Eric and I obviously are now going to be shifting gears to winter sports. Uh, I was already out at Mountain Point Basketball uh, this past week, and I plan on going to see Desert Vista, maybe a couple other schools this week as well, and obviously into the next and, you know, so on and so forth until the start of the season, hopefully, uh, you know, after January 5th. But with that, that is the end of today's show, um, or I guess this week's show, I should say. Thank you, as always, for listening to us. We got through the fall sports season. That's an accomplishment in itself. And now let's uh, let's hope we can get a winter sports season, get through that, and then obviously get through uh, the rest of the school year with spring sports and everything, especially spring. I don't want those kids to lose another season. That would be yep. terrible. So, Agreed. Yeah. Uh, but with that said, make sure to give us all a follow on Twitter, at Zach Elvira, at Enuman Rights, at AZHSFB, and at Arizona Varsity. Guys, I know Eric doesn't care about this. He's almost at a thousand followers. Please go follow him on I Twitter. Let's get him to one K before the start of the winter sports season. Great. Well, I know, I know you don't care. I know you don't care, but we're gonna get you to one K. All right, that's it. It's said and done. Whatever we're gonna get you one K. And also, by the way, uh, we had a little mishap with the whole costume thing after the Open Division Championship. We will do that eventually. Um, I think I have to get it from Desert Vista's administration. I think it was left there by accident. Did Chili leave uh, it there? Yes, Chili left it there. He thought we knew where it was, and I truly did not really know where it was. Uh, so we can blame Chili for that. And we'll we'll, get, we'll do it. It will be done. Uh, yep. But with that said, like I said, give us all a follow on Twitter. Make sure to tune in next week. We will be uh, bringing on another guest. We're going to start the interview process again. The uh, Meet the Media segment is going to be back in full swing, and we're going to be talking winter sports. Uh, but for now... We will see you all next week. Thanks for listening.